Happy Friday, folks, and Fridays are with Kevin Allen, who is here today. Ak will be here in a few minutes, and obviously Russ will start us off with the pre-show. Uh, Russ, right now, the NHL looks to be back. The NBA looks to be back, but Major League Baseball? They're not coming back, Mike. I, it, what's interesting now is how all of a sudden the owners are like, well, we're mandating a 54-game season, and you will show up. And my my instant answer to that is, they can mandate whatever they want, and the players could be like, we're not coming. We don't like the terms. We're not playing. And then what do the owners do? Like the, the owners really have no pull in this situation because they are not inheriting any personal risk. Financial, sure. But as far as their health, none. So most people are backing the players because there is a risk of them getting sick and possibly hurting their careers. And then there's also the fact that, hey, they negotiated a deal that did include no fans, even though the owner swore it didn't at the beginning. And well, that's, that's in dispute. That's in dispute. It's Roger. not in dispute. No, it's no, they're they're saying they're saying I it know, is. but it's really not in dispute amongst writers and such. And and then again, they went back to try and renegotiate a negotiated deal. So at the end of the day, it doesn't look like there's going to be a sport out of greed. And you can say greed on both sides. That's fine. Well, Kev, this is the thing. I read uh, what Jeff Passan from ESPN posted a couple hours ago. Right now, the divide is um, the the players. They made that ridiculous 114 game proposal, but they didn't. They didn't uh, push back on an 82 game proposal. The owners pushed back on the fact of paying them full prorated salary because there were going to be no fans in the stand. Now, all of a sudden, and Russ, it's 48, 48 games. 48 games. Yeah, it's getting it's getting to the point of ridiculousness. But Passon seems to think there's a point in the middle between 48 and 82 that they can meet. It's all a question of the owners. They're willing to lose some money, but not – the money that they would lose if they play too many games and there's no guarantee of a playoffs. So I, you know, I, 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 I'm on the owner side in this instance in terms of having sympathy here. I mean, I, I think that the players want to make their money, they're going to have to play and there's a risk involved in that, but you know, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I, I think that ultimately we are going to play. Um, I think it's at some point, um, although I think there are, don't you have the feeling there are more baseball players who are um, don't want to risk it than any other sport? Like it yes, feels that absolutely. way to me. Yes, it, it just feels that way to me. And what's interesting about that is, you know, they're the sport that's being played outside, where the risk is actually right a little bit less. Yes. Um, and they don't, uh, you know, they're not making contact or any of those kind of things. Um, but I, I still think it'll it'll be worked out. Like I I think. Uh, in, in other sports, there seems to be a lot more harmony and figuring out how this is all going to work because it was, it, you know, they're kind of working on how we get in this together. And um, and in this case, there's not. And I think it just speaks to what's been going on in baseball with the, the refractory relationship between the Players Association and the owners for years and years and years. And I think that's you know playing into that. But I think ultimately there are enough guys who want to play and I think owners definitely want to play. You know, they want to, you know, even though the money, uh, like nobody's going to get rich out of this, you want to have some continuity and get set up for, for next season as well. So that's why I think that there's going to be a compromise. It'll be an 11th hour, you know, 60, 75 
or 70 game schedule, whatever it is, 72. Yeah. Uh, however, they, they figure it out. But well, yeah. Ted, let me ask you this. Yesterday um, was you, the usual date in baseball history where the end. And, and so yesterday in 1975, the Detroit Tigers drafted who? Who did they draft in 75? Um, oh, yeah. I remember that. <clears throat> I said it on the show, Mike. You should remember. <laughs> it took me a second, Russ. Excuse me. 75. I should remember who they drafted in 75. Think baseball cards. Think a four-up rookie card. So, was it Gabe? K no. 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 Too early. Yeah. Uh, he was a key member of the last World Series champion for the Tigers. He was a pivotal guy. A was, pivotal was, it, was guy. it Jack Morris? No, Lou Whitaker. Oh, okay. Yeah. But so sweet Lou Whitaker was drafted, and he's still not in the Hall of Fame. What's what you're thinking about about that? Well, he should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he was a premium second baseman in the league, and he was a clutch hitter. I think you have to look at the intangibles with him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, because, uh, um, you know, he, you look at the, the number of big-time plays and big-time hits he had, and he had a whole lot of those. And when you compare him to second baseman of his era, he was clearly ahead the vast majority of them by a significant yeah. amount. Um, and it's hard to be honest, like, uh, you know, people say, well, you can't, you know, put a, a double play duel in together, but it's hard to separate Trammell and Whitaker. It is. Um, because they played for so long together, dating the minors. Like, I, I have to remind people this. If you look at the statistics of Trammell and Whitaker, like in the early years, they weren't hitting 300. You know, their right. batting averages weren't very good, but everybody knew they were going to be great. Like, it, it's a, to me, it's a testimony to, uh, like good scouting, like every like fifteen years as a double play combo, something like that. Yeah, and they were terrific, and and so their defense, I think, plays a role in it as well. Yeah, and uh, you know he had a lot of power. He won a championship. He's a better hitter than Mazeroski, and Mazeroski got in for his defense, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think he should be in. You know, I actually think the case for Whitaker was better than the case for Trammell in terms of Hall of Fame consideration. There, there are not many. Not many uh, great offensive second basemen in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I can right. count them on two hands. You know, going to Sandberg and a few and a few and a few others. But yeah, I mean, I think he he ranks up there. He's really good defensively. He you know won a World Series, so um, you know had some pretty good pop in his bat for a left-handed hitter. And, you know, I mean, I, I I think I think he should be in if he's. I know he's not in now, but he should be in eventually. Uh, before we get started, wanted to touch on this. So the NBA comes out with their return to play format. And for anybody who is critical of the NHL, look at the NBA and tell me that that's not a joke. When you're when you're basically putting five teams from the Western Conference and one team as from the Eastern Conference and having a 22 game playoff no, um, they're, they're actually playing eight regular season games. Oh, they're playing eight regular season games. That's right. Yeah, so, okay. so they're they're rule they're they're eliminating all the teams that were so far back that they don't have to play. But I, I mean, I don't know about playing regular seasons game regular season games, Kev. I I I just I like the fact that the NHL is going right to the right to the playoffs, although they're not calling the play in round the playoffs, but it is the playoffs. Yeah. Well. I, I don't think you can criticize the NBA for the way they do things because it always works out, you know, great for them. Uh, you yeah. know, like, like they're they're just the darling right now, uh, and they have been of the sports world. 
um, you know, and their athletes are celebrated. And, you know, if that's the way they want to do it. And, I, you know, I like the how, you know, socially conscious they are about everything. Like they've already announced that they came out and said that it, it's, uh, I think they phrased it as unlikely that their older coaches will be behind the bench. Um, you know, they've already said that. Um, so, you know, they're taking kind of precautions. So, I, you know, I, I think your point is, is, is well taken. Like, um, you know, I had said before that I thought 22 was the number of teams that we should have had in the NHL deal. The problem is you can't do it and just play playoffs. Right. And so what they did is, is they thought in their mind, 22 should be in it. So they threw in the eight regular season games. And I don't know. Uh, and playing regular season games does seem um, like, you know, why? Well, the one thing about that, Kev, is, yeah, there's some guys that in that league that are big draws that are right now fragile at this point in their careers. Uh, Zion Williamson is certainly one of them with, yeah. with a little bit of a knee issue. And if he were to go down in a regular season game, they don't have him for the playoffs, which is the most marketable thing they can do. And, and, to, and to get him into the playoff, I mean, okay, I know that they have to play these eight regular season games, and it's possible that New Orleans doesn't make it. But to get them in there, or get Zion Williamson in there, would be akin to the NHL trying to fix it so Jack Eichel and the Sabres got in. Sure. Um, but, again, I, I understand that there's a chance. Um, and then you have other guys like Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons from Philly. You know, you take either one of them out all of a sudden the draw is not great either. So that's the one inherent risk they're going to have. Yeah. And what's so strange about the, um, you know, the, the popularity of, of the NBA in my mind is like their level of competitiveness um, in the playoffs is almost non-existent until they get deep into it. It's true. Um, yeah. They're you, always like sweeps or. Yeah. They don't, you can't, even if you sneak into the playoffs, you know, your chances, like you sneak into the NHL playoffs, you can make a run. Yeah. You know, like it's, you know, nobody goes eight to one in the NBA. They just don't. No, I know. So, but it's, it's happened once, right? That's what we figured out. Yeah. Once or twi twice. I think it was twice. twice. Okay. Yeah. So. The, the Knicks, the Knicks and the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, hello. Yeah, hockey. yeah. There you go. Hello. Hockey world. Today is Friday, June 5th, 2020. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Kevin Allen. And I'm Michael Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Well, during our show yesterday, uh, Kev, um, of course, breaking news happened right in the middle of it, uh, which is good, you know, because after three months of being very little breaking news, I'll take that. Um, the NHL and the Return to Play Committee, along with the PA, decided on uh, the structure of the, the playoffs. Uh, that being uh, best of five for the play-in round and a best of seven series for the first, second, third, and the Stanley Cup final and reseeding rather than brackets. From what, from what I understood and from what you said on a previous show and what, from what I've heard from other reporters, that's exactly what the, the PA wanted. They got everything that they wanted in this. And I, I sort of find that encouraging because – there was a there was a give and take on the part of the owners to, uh, and and the league to give them what they wanted because I think they realize it's imperative that they play these games and get this season in. A absolutely, and I don't think yeah. it was uh, all that contentious um, all the way through because I I do think both sides uh, 
you know, wanted to see something happen. They all know the ramifications on the salary cap. You know, th this is a, uh, they hate the word partnership and it isn't a partnership by legal definition, but in this case, it really is a partnership because they had to figure out a way to do it where, you know, everybody was comfortable. And I think that's the key word in this case, everybody had to get comfortable with, you know, first of all, how they were going to play, whether it was going to be competitive enough, whether everyone was going to be safe enough, uh, you know, how it was all going to work out. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think right from the beginning, I, I wouldn't have been, um, if you said to me that, you know, Gary Bettman's plan all along was essentially, you know, give players whatever they wanted, you know, within <laughs> reason, uh, you know, you don't normally think about it in those terms, but I, I think he was ready to, uh, to listen to the players in this because, uh, you know, he just wanted to get the show on the road. He wanted everyone to be happy and comfortable. I mean, don't you think, and hello, everyone, Mary. don't you think that, um, that there's a definite appreciation among the owners and the, and the NHL that the players are willing to do this too. Like, I think that, you know, that this is, a, they're asking for a lot. They just feel like the whole quarantine thing is a lot, you know, like it, they're asking for a lot of stuff here. And I think that they didn't feel like they felt like that was good enough to, you know, whatever the players wanted. I'm kind of impressed, you know, the players wanting to play more games. Obviously there's more money there, more revenue there, but I think they want to play more games just because that's how the playoffs are. They want to play the playoffs. Like they want to play the playoffs as they are. Yes. Yeah, isn't that kind of cool? I mean, that you know, in this day and age, you know, that is going they're going to be quarantined. They're they're putting they they actually made themselves be quarantined perhaps a little bit longer than the NHL even wanted them to be, just so they could get a regular playoffs on. I think that's kind of that's kind of neat. Well, I I know that I think it was Chris Johnston from Sportsnet that mentioned that he had talked to a couple players and that one of the motivations for them playing seven game series for the first round through to the final was that they wanted to avoid any appearance of you know the the dreaded asterisk being put on the team that wins the Stanley Cup championship because they didn't have to play as many games that they had to play best three or five in the first round then that you know that basically would be one less victory It'd be 15 games instead of 16 and that means something to these players if they're going to go through this whole scenario where they're in two hub cities playing four rounds they want it to count as a legitimate Stanley Cup and I get that you know I I don't disagree with it I just worry about completion and until I hear what hub cities they're using I'm still going to have that worry. Like when I when I see the way the NBA has set up everything in one bubble, that's probably the best way. It honestly is because at least there's very little outside disturbance. There'll be some because they're not going to, you know, have them under martial law. But this one's still going to have two bubbles. And so until I know where they are, like originally I thought, hey, you know, Minnesota would be a good one. Obviously now it's not. So I'm pretty sure they'd be out of it. Uh, so we have to wait until, until they announce them. At least for me. Um, the thought, thought here, but on this on this whole thing that I kind of wrote about today too, which I think is kind of interesting, um, and just talking to people, the the idea that now the camps are being pushed back to like our August first start date, and um, the feeling is though that I talk to people that they are only going to have two weeks camp, that they're going to maybe start playing around the fifteenth, um, that they that they don't feel like they need as long a camp, but they want to wait as long as they can to start it. And push things back a little bit and i said well is that because you're worried about the virus the person i talked to a you know a prominent person um an owner in this league and i said, is that because you want to get this thing you know you want to wait and wait till longer you know to start it to see where things are at he said yes and also <laughs> and also the famous and also we don't mind the fact that perhaps the things are getting definitely better that the conference finals and stanley cup finals could be actually as they normally are meaning mm -hmm. in cities 
And that's all, and by making it a little bit later, we feel like we have a little bit of better chance of that. Um, and even if we did do something different, like if we have, he said, some fans are better than no fans. And we've all seen the pictures where they have like a, a fan and then a fan six feet apart from them and a fan over here, you know, and there's pictures where they've, they've tried it to see how many fans they could fit in the stadium. I, I, I understand the Let me finish one thought real quick. And Go so he, he says, so he said, you know, he said, those fans, you know, those, it's not really how it would look. He said, if we, if we did a social distancing fan thing, it would be social distancing by families. So he's like, if you have a, if you have two or four people, two, two or four tickets that you buy as season tickets, those seats would still be right together. There would be people that would be distanced apart, but he's like, there's no reason we'd have to socially distance every single person. He says, families are already social distanced together. So he said, that's why we could figure out, we could probably get, instead of like, they were saying like, what, 4,000 or 5,000 seats if you, were, if you were socially distancing everyone in the arena. He says, you could probably get like eight, maybe 8,000 people if you're socially distanced families the right way and did, and or did tickets the right way. <laughs> I mean, and he said, all of this granted is like, you know, who knows what's gonna happen, but, I definitely think I think this might be in their thinking here in in terms of going a little bit later, Kev. Um, well, I think it is. Um, uh, I think they weren't in to to this as quickly as you personally were, but I think they've now come aboard with uh, you know what, what you were thinking um, because I think what also helps is I know the NFL is talking about this yeah as well, and I think everyone is sort of a, uh, a copycat and they're trying to figure out how to do it. And, um, you know, there's groups that uh, um, you can do. I, I, I'm a, an NFL season ticket holder and um, I, I just keep expecting any day now to get a letter saying, um, <clears throat> you know, because that's what's going to end up happening. It'll be the season ticket holders that will have to decide. Yeah, right. right. They'll, right. They'll, they'll pull them and try to decide what to do. Although, um, I keep hearing from some of my friends who are involved in it that it won't be, um, it won't be right away that they're going to play with empty stadiums. But yeah. I, I really don't know that anybody really knows what they're going to do because I think they're going to sort of watch it, watch yeah. it still. But I think there is a lot more people talking about uh, fans now than there were a month ago. Well, I don't know if you guys how much you guys have gotten out, but like I, um, I went to the shore last weekend uh, for my wife's our anniversary. And I was just frigging shocked about the amount of people that were, that are acting like this never happened. Like just the summer, we are losing the battle with the quarantine. No, um, it's not. It's not that. It's not that it never happened. Is that they're sick and tired? Well, they're, they're sick of it. And also, summer yeah. is makes it a lot harder. It's right. like, and it's just. It's just. It's just. And that's terrible. I mean, I say all this in ter Like, I'm, I'm losing the battle. Like my my daughter, like hanging out with her friends. I'm losing the battle. We're losing the battle. It's just. It's so. It's so freaking hard. Yesterday is my daughter's graduation. I, I guess she had some people over last night for a socially distancing movie outside. Well, I mean, I, 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 you know I can give you a number. We're right now, guys. We're right now in the beginning of June, right? And we're losing this battle. And and yesterday, one of the things because my daughter graduated yesterday, instead of having like a ceremony, we drove around the entire um, town and mm -hmm. in and out of all the streets. And it was cool. Like it was beautiful. It was really cool. Like just a row of, of decorated cars, people on their lawns cheering. So like that it was fun. It was wonderful. Right. Then we went downtown Ambler, which is like a little downtown area near me. As I'm driving through Ambler, you know, just people on the sidewalks, just right next to each other, yay! And I'm just, I'm, I'm, and it was, it was really nice and warm feeling. But there's part of it that's like, we are losing this battle. Like there is no two ways about it. Well, I, I give you a good example. Like, on my page, I posted real stats because someone was talking about Florida. So Florida, as an example, have tested over a million people, and right now, with over a million people, 5.4 percent have it, which is way higher than we expect any state right. to be. 
but they also have 18 million people in the state. So if they have 18 million in the people state and they've only tested a little over a million, I'm expecting that number to double now. Sure. Their deaths are starting to creep back up. So I'm with you. I get that. And But I do feel like people are just, because they're tired of it, they're ignoring the warnings. It's well, scary. It's, it's scary. And it's, it's, it's really scary. And I, I mean, I don't feel it's right, but I'm just telling you that there is a no question. Like, this is like a, if you've ever had a water leak, you know, in, in yeah. something, it's like we are, it's, it's hard to stop water leaking. But the, yeah, it is. yeah, the problem is that, is that the, the evidence is not consistent all over the place. I know. Where like New York has, has started to open up in the last two weeks and Cuomo came out today and said the uh, the hospital uh, rate, the infection rate, the, the rate of death is the lowest it's been. I think it was 48 people yesterday, which it was in the 800s of eight weeks ago. Right. So that that's down. And this is a place where coronavirus was running rampant, especially in New York City and especially in nursing homes, whereas places like Georgia uh, and Florida has spiked marginally right now, but they've been open for a while. So it was it was something that you knew was going to happen because there is no vaccine. So right. I, I, you know, bringing it back to sports, I don't know how much that's going to affect the NHL's decision when it comes to, you know, because like Alberta has basically no COVID cases at Kev. So, I mean, you could yeah. make a case for Edmonton being a hub yeah. because there's little or no chance of, of infection there. But when I heard John Tavares last week talk about, you know, what the players want out of a hub city, they want places where the players can actually live a life while they're in this bubble. Of course. And there's not a lot to do in Edmonton. So then <laughs> there's they, not. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. But the problem is, is they don't have any, but, it feels like that's where it's going to go next. Yeah, you know, that, that right. it's going to move west, and right. um, you know, it, it's so complicated for it the, them. It is. Well, but it's I, really complicated. It is. I, I I really like X phrasing um, that that we're we're starting to lose, yeah. um, and I because I, I feel the same way. I feel like everybody's just throwing up their hands and saying, "Oh, you know, we got to live our lives." You know, right. like we're going to we're going to lose some people. We're going people are going to get sick. This is a part of our reality now. Um, right. And while I was down the shore, you know, and, and walking on the beach, you know, some of some people had when you when you're in your own little area with your, you know, your little sand area, you know, that was there were still not enough people that it was we could be like easily six feet apart from each other. But when you walked along the ocean, which is what you do at the ocean, you know, before you, if you get bored after staring in the sand for five minutes, you walk on the ocean. And you know, there people some people had masks on, some people didn't, most people didn't. We did. But then, then, so then I go and, you know, get the average, you know, what we always do, we get like, a, you know, a, a Slurpee or whatever. And I had to, um, which I wasn't going to do, but I'm like, I got to get, I had to get some medicine or something. So I was at a Wawa and I walk into Wawa and I was impressed. Like everyone immediately threw their masks on. Like I hadn't seen anybody with a mask, but everybody had them. They walked into Wawa with their mask on. Well, that's because you can't go in the store without one. They right, will, but they will there's, there's kind of a good, there's a, there's a habit that's been born. You know what I mean? Like they say, if you do something for 20 days in a row, it's a habit. Right. There's a habit now that you walk into a store and you put a mask on. And I think that's great. But the, but the first, I have no problem with that. The first chance you give them to not wear a mask, they're not going to wear a mask act. That's just human nature. I think people will still, I think, I think that has become a habit. It's like, it's not that big of a deal why you're in a store to do that. I mean, they've been doing this in Asia for years. You know, it's not like, remember that in Asia, you know, like, you know, that people have been wearing these masks, masks forever, you know? So I don't have a flyer's mask at all. I have a really good mask that I'm going to show you guys before the end of the show. 
Um, are you not wearing it now? Okay. Yeah, no, this is not. Come my on, idea. bad example. No, other like, Kevin, like you were saying, you know, we're losing this. No, there was a good face joke in there, but whatever. Um, but oh. what the um, the NHL has like, um, you know, they, they're they're obviously planning out every possibility. But I do think that starting later, we're seeing that we're starting to lose the battle now. <laughs> if we if there's no rebirth to this thing, if it doesn't come back harder than ever, um, yeah, I think we're going to see fans by the conference finals. Do you think so, Kev? I don't know. I if I had to guess, I'd guess no. But I yeah. know there's more discussion about it than there was in the past. Yeah, because I think everybody looks at those numbers and looks at um, you know how it's been going. The, you know the problem is the uh, you know like what's going on in New York um, is you, we won't know how that really works out for another month. Um, you know that's right. the that's the problem. So right. that's the well, I think if you're going to have fans at some point then the NHL is going to have to be honest. Teams are going to have to be honest about guys who tested positive, right. like the Penguins didn't reveal the name, right? But if all of a sudden I'm a fan and I have tickets, I should know if players on that team are carriers simply because I'm in the building. And, you know, the interesting thing about it is if they're going to get tested the way the NHL says they're going to get tested and it's going to be, you know, once a week, twice a day, whatever it is, twice a week. I think that – that's going to go into public record. And I think good reporters are going to find that anyhow. So I don't know why they're not revealing names, but I do think they should. Yeah. I, I don't think they can. I think that's against the HIPAA laws. Right. I don't know. The NFL yeah, did. I think that's exactly what it is. I really think they're the NFL well. did. They, they, the NFL told you exactly who. Yeah, who had it. The point is, I, I, I bet they, I bet they asked permission to do that. I think, I think Von, I think Von Miller came out and said, I have to get something signed, honestly. To yeah. get out, people laws are pretty string. I mean, whenever you go into a, when you, if you ever go into a doctor's office, there's one of those forms you fill out at the beginning are all are you know one of them is that nothing's going to be released without your permission in any way, shape, or form. So, but, to me, but right now, I mean, and we know the NHL hasn't set any specific dates, but yesterday it came out that phase two will begin next Monday. That doesn't mean that everybody has to be at training camp or in their hub cities, but right. Monday. They these most of the teams will have their facilities open for players. The tentative date supposedly for phase three is in the middle of July. I've heard July fourteenth, right. uh, which would mean the season would start probably uh, or the the, the playing round which started the first or second. I'm week. hearing August first really strongly actually. August first though, I mean that's that makes sense if the if the training yeah. camp is opening on the fourteenth of July, that's two weeks. No, to me, no, to me, training camp August first. That's yeah, that, yeah, that, that uh, okay. I mean, I, like I, I said, that, but I'm just saying that that's what I've heard, and other people, a couple other people have reported that as well. And and uh, remember yeah. when we had John Shannon on last week, he thought August fifteenth was about when they would start playing. I think that he might he might have known something there too. I don't know, but yeah, I think the I mean, two two week training camp. I mean, granted, it's. it's it, I mean, part of, and there's here's another thing that I heard, and this made this is only from one person, and the, the owner I was talking to couldn't confirm this about why August first, but August first, one of the things that I heard was that this whole concept, you know, the 14 day quarantine in Canada, which is a big thing, right? That's going on, that's still going on, um, that there are feelings that that will end August. 1st. <laughs> now, whether or not that's like the case or not, you know, who uh, knows? I've 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 heard uh, some indications from the Ontario government and the Canadian government that because they extended it to, to June 21st they may extend it another two weeks but by July by the first of July uh, they may open up because you got to remember there are a lot of American people going into Ontario who go to their summer cabins in Ontario yeah. Yeah. there are people that you know that 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 really destroy you know if 
if the rates are going down, then there's no reason to have a 14-day quarantine. Yeah, yeah, there's none at all. No, and I agree with that. I think that, but, but you know, if, if the American rates go up, there is, you know, so that's like, and, you know, and finally, the last thing we'll talk about, I won't talk about this anymore. We're going to get on to Detroit, and I'm actually talking about hockey, which is way more fun. But the last thing I'll talk about is, you know, we're going to see more, more and more people testing positive all the time. Yeah. Um, because there are more and more tests being given out, which is a good thing. And, and but that also gives an excuse for the government to say, oh, there's more positive tests, sure, but you know we're also giving more tests, so that's so of course we're going to get more positive tests. You can see that excuse already b being built in, right? So they're yeah. So and I, I, we're doing is fine. It, it doesn't matter that we did this. And there's really by increasing the amount of tests, you believe you've lost the scientific method, but you have to do it. But the scientific method of like okay, only testing people who have what you know that kind of thing yeah. is gone. So there's going to be more tests. You can't compare tests to where they were before. You can't compare how many people had it. You know, well, it's right around the corner from us that just started giving um, the uh, antibody test. Uh, well, I can tell you this, like, I'm, oh, fully, I'm gonna get that next week. I just really uh, don't wanna do that. I'm, I'm fully prepared that if I have to go up to Canada that I, you know, I will have had a COVID test and an antibody test yeah. to prove to them I don't have it. Because right, right, they, right. they may require that. But right. I, before we start talking about Detroit, I wanted to ask Kevin about the uh, the round robin, the again, the, the first through fourth seed. Uh, playing a three-game round robin, they and they announced that the the uh, if there's a tiebreaker, it would be the the home point percent the uh, the regular season point percentage rate. Which you know, if these teams go all go one one and one, then it's going to end up the way it was supposed to in the first place. Which I guess is an advantage for Boston and St. Louis. But I mean, do you think this is the best way they could do this? No, I like that's the one thing of, all, of the whole thing. <laughs> that I that I just don't I don't get and I don't, yeah. I don't like, like I why are we even doing this and I understand they want those teams to play games because you know otherwise they're not you know they're going to enter cold and everyone else have played a series but you know those three games is that really going to that really don't mean all that much anyway and then there's going to be a discussion about well you know are they trying to avoid this team and I that's I, I, I just, you know, that's the part of it I don't like. And I don't have an answer because I'm sure they're in the same position I am, which is, you know, then what do you do with the team the team setting out? Right. But by reseeding, don't you make it – it is more interesting now. Like, by the reseeding concept makes those makes those, that battle a little more interesting because the one, you want that top spot if you're always going to be playing the worst team. Right. Well, you, well, you do. But, you know, we, we could have just settled the top, the top spot. So. <laughs> Right, right. They just played three exhibition games, and it doesn't really matter. You I know. think that's what they tried to stay away from. I think they tried to add some meaning to games, yeah, and not yeah. have more exhibition games because then yeah. nobody's going to watch. Well, I get, I I get the concept. I, I just, I just have a hard time with it. But I'm also sympathetic to how hard this is. Oh yeah, to, to try to figure it out. So is it better, Kev? There's a really good question for you. A real like existential hockey question. Yeah. Uh, a team playing meaningless games. Then jumping into the playoffs is better than a team not playing games and then jumping into the playoffs. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> we we see that. Um, like you can just say last year, Tampa Bay Lightning played meaningless games at the right. end of the season, jumped right. in, and then got hammered by the right. Blue Jackets. So I, yeah, um, all yeah. of it. And nobody has the ability to go into the Stanley Cup playoffs hot. Even if you win three of these playing games, you're not going to say it's the same level of hot that right. a team would be like winning ten of eleven going into the Stanley Cup final in yeah. the playoffs. And, and the, 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 the Blue Jays, the momentum thing, which is really interesting. Like, okay, 
if a team's like battling their lives to get into the playoffs and get in on the final day of the season, like in a normal regular season, mm-hmm. um, we've seen a couple things happen to those kind of teams over the years. Like that kind of that team sometimes collapses at the playoffs. Like they have made the, the yeah they end up getting a round or two and then run out of gas. Like like Columbus. I mean Columbus play, they played till game eighty one consequential right. games to get in the playoffs and then they sweep. They they it sweep happen the other way. You know, like the the Flyers, like they make the playoffs on a shootout. You know, against the New York Rangers on the final game of the season and go to the Stanley Cup Finals against. But the that's Boston. rare. That it's is rare. rare. But but sometimes you'll see a team that just like making the playoffs was such a big deal that like once they're in the playoffs. It's over, and they get killed. But then- yeah, I, I, I think more teams um, end up getting fatigued from the yeah. mental yes uh, uh, fatigue of having yeah. to work so hard just to get in the playoffs than yeah. than actually make a good run. Although you know it does does happen, it can go either way. But you know I've said for a long time in a normal season, like if if you're a fan of a team, wouldn't you rather them? Finish second and face the third place team. Yeah. Then the team that has gone fourteen and <laughs> in their last seventeen right. games to get in the playoffs. Like I don't think it's a reward to have to play the wild card teams in 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 most seasons because they've played so darn well to to get in the playoffs. And you know what? They still have that momentum, and they're not fatigued. They're on just on a high mm-hmm. going into that first round. Yeah. Like it sort of evens out as the second round because now they're mentally exhausted. Yeah, getting getting through the first round of the playoffs is like is almost everything. Like that's why the first round is so good, right? Like the first we always see teams that if you make it through the first round, yeah, your, your fans base are generally happy. Unless you're a team that just has huge expectations, most people are okay winning the first round. Like that, that's like a that's a big deal, right? Yeah, but now you're gonna now instead of teams like so every team that's gonna be playing those top teams is going to be in a battle for their lives to play them. They're going to be even in a best of five series this year, you know. That's so every team's going to be coming off of a off of an emotional roller coaster of a thing, you know. They're going to mm-hmm. have one that series to get in there, and I, and I don't know if it's better if that team is like if that if that if there's other teams are just sitting around and waiting yeah. and being pumped up to play finally again because that that initial energy that you put in that these guys are going to have is going to be amazing. So like if the Bruins sat back and waited and they didn't play and they didn't play and they didn't play and now they're I think that initial energy would probably push them over the top where now that initial energy is going to be kind of blown on these meaningless games. I still don't worry about the Bruins. They, they've been through the wars. Like that's the one team of all the teams that are in the playoffs that know how to handle any situation. So they're the one team I'm not going to worry about. And I still think there's a little bit of a fragility there when it comes to Tampa Bay, because we could see that, you know, when we talked about the the teams that voted against the current format, they were one of the two. And and when we heard Alex Kalorn's comments, it really sounded like, okay, they wanted everything in their favor in terms of a playoff format. And why? Oh, because they lost in three, they lost in four straight to Columbus last year. I mean, that's a team that's so talented. They shouldn't be worrying about that. They should just be worrying about playing their best. It did bother me. It did bother me that a team did that, you know, especially that team, like you say. I mean, they should just be like, oh, we're the best team. Right. Hiccups, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Normally, what you say is, oh, we don't care who we play. Right. 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 It's always the biggest lie. But I love the yeah. Except Toronto. They care about playing Boston. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But Toronto does not want to play Boston. The team in the media conference called, the person in the media conference called said, have you ever thought about, you know, letting the team pick their home? That I like. But that, you know, that's, that's, think, a, that's a good question. But I also, that's a good question. But I also think, obviously, like Gary's response, which shows that Gary is like a hockey guy in general, you know, and he really is more of a hockey guy, was like perfect. He's like, you really think 
if the teams that you know you don't think that's motivation but black for motivation for a team when they've been picked to be played that's like you know well, yeah, it's like being picked last in softball or anything like that kickball you do yeah. get a, a the, chip on your shoulder the, 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 it would be really fun the interesting thing that has come up since they have implemented this 24 teams uh, scenario here, and they've had to because of all the circumstances, is the talk about expanding the playoffs to 20 when we get to the new CBA. If this works, if this is a ratings boom, I think that this will convince Gary Bettman and the NHL that it's a good thing to have a play-in series or play in game for seven through 10 and eight through nine to get to 16. Cause that's extra, that's extra playoff gate and that's ac- or extra money in, in terms of gate and it's extra money in terms of a TV contract. So I don't see a negative in that. I hope that, that they, they, they learn that this would work. Okay. Yeah, I don't think this is a real good test for that. I wish it was yeah. um, because I'm with you. I mean, you know how I feel about that. Um, yeah. I, I really think if we had those, those games would be have ratings on par with the um, uh, Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Um, the, and, you know, it's it's extra money. I think you can charge whatever you want to charge. And yeah. I think I think the the lure of uh, a single game, meaning, you know, the difference to be in or out. And I also think that you, you can counter the people who say, that it renders the regular season meaningless by saying, hey, every year, like you just mentioned, the shootout to get in the playoffs, we have a team that wins in the last weekend of the season to get in. We're just changing that one day. Uh, We're moving it from the last day of the regular season to the day after the regular season. And the other thing you say to people is, hey, you know, if you don't want to get stuck in that position, then finish in the top six. Right. (laughs) And, yeah, that's that's the goal. And yeah. it's not like you're gonna, it's not it's not like you're going to extend the regular extend the the season that much. You basically you know the the year ends on a Saturday night. You have one playing game on Monday, one playing game on Tuesday, and the playoffs start on Thursday. Yeah, there you uh, go. And it, and you put it on a different network, so you make it yeah. sort of unique. And yeah. I, I I just think it would be just great. And I think everybody. You know, the one of the things that we have trouble finding in hockey in America are national fans. Yeah. So the ratings reflect that. Yeah. Um, you know, we have them in Canada, um, but not as many as uh, as I wish we had in Canada. But we, we don't have as many in, in America, uh, not, not even remotely close. And I think that people of all teams would, uh, especially early, um, would tune in to see what this was all about—a single elimination, yeah. you know, cool. game. So, totally agree. Let's move on to Detroit. Um, hey, uh, before we do that, just real quick, yes. uh, uh, the because this is hockey related. Uh, does did any of you know? Obviously, forty-six athletic writers were laid off today. Yeah. Uh, does anyone know any of the hockey writers? Uh, I haven't noticed the hockey writers yet. Yeah. It looks like a lot of college sports so far. Um, yeah, it doesn't mean that they haven't chimed in yet. Yeah, WNBA writers, I know that uh, they were eliminated. So I have I haven't heard, but I'll I'll monitor it. Yeah, I'm hearing on yesterday. Now, I, I saw that Steve Simmons uh, reported that Chris Cutbirth has moved to Sportsnet. Yes, yeah. which is which is big which is big news because um, 
it's primarily been Jim Houston as the main guy for Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada since Bob Cole. Yeah. Uh, and they, they really needed to replace Bob Cole uh, in yeah. terms of a workload. And I think Cuthbert will probably be the main guy in the East. And, and Houston, who's from Vancouver, will probably be the main guy in the West doing Edmonton and Vancouver. And I, th- I think, you know, that would be great. That was great, but Chris Cuthbert is just – yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. Gary, I, I just wanted to know what we knew. Kevin, you and I were sitting directly in front of Chris Cuthbert during the World Cup of Hockey. Do you remember that? Like, if we, if yeah. and we could, and we hear so we could hear his calls, you know, through his voice, you know, when things were quiet up in there. And I remember talking about that with you then. I'm just like, that voice is just, yeah, he's, he's a pro's pro, too. You know, oh, and when I close my eyes and I see picture there's like Hockey Night Canada highlights or like the old, any old series, I, that's the voice I hear. It's just like, it's like butter. It's crazy. Like butter. Like All right, moving on. Um, okay, the Detroit Red Wings. Um, we talked yesterday with, um, or two days ago, with Josh. I no, mean, Joe Yurden. Joe Yurden, not Josh Yurden. <laughs> Joe Yurden um, about the Buffalo Sabres, a team in this same division who's trying to make the playoffs and how difficult it is, first of all, to, to think about the concept of making the playoffs mm-hmm. for these teams because of the third, you know, you've got Tampa, Boston, and Toronto. All three of those teams feel like they're going to make the playoffs every year for the next decade. Um, who knows if they will, but they all feel like incredibly solid. So you're basically competing to make the playoffs, either beating one of those off or beating one of these great Metro teams, which are all ahead of you in your rebuild. So there's a bunch of Metro teams. If you're going to get in the playoffs, then if you're Detroit or Buffalo, it's, it's hard. Um, so I was reading, read a bunch of articles on Detroit trying to catch up. And Kevin, I know you know more than most because you live there. Um, and uh, it seems to me like, Kevin, the big thing on the Red Wings is defense, right? That's really what they're looking at. Well, yeah, I mean, I think they've made some progress there. Uh, the one thing I would say, if we can just sort of segue off of what you were talking about, Buffalo. Yeah. Um, in comparison, I, I, I'd rather be the Buffalo Sabres right. than the Red Wings because the Buffalo yeah, right. Sabres has Iserman um, and Lidstrom. They've got that in the form of Eichel and Darlene. Right. And the Red Wings, while they have some interesting younger players, right, don't have those players. Right. right? Um, and now they they have uh, some players that they really like. I I think uh, Dylan Larkin is a terrific uh, player, and I think he's yeah. a great leader, and I think he's a guy that can set a great cadence. And um, he just hasn't uh, um, he, he's shown greatness at times, but hasn't had the level of consistency. And he'd be the first to tell you that's true. Um, yeah. You know, he he's has greatness for three or four games, and then. Um, he, he can't find it again. And I think that all just comes with figuring out how to deal with each team individually. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, you've got to, right. you know, every team presents different challenges. And when yeah. you've been in the league for six or seven years, you know what you have to do against each style of coach in order <laughs> to be successful. And he hasn't figured out how to do that. Now, well, have, just to quickly interrupt you really fast, is you have the two teams you're gunning for, Boston and Tampa, maybe at the top, but could not be more different. Right. No. Odd, usually in the same division, you have teams that are more similar. Yeah. I think Kev's right, though. If I were building Detroit, yeah. my worries are defense and goaltending. Yeah, I like Sider. Chalowski will have a role. Hironik's a, a top-pairing guy now, so that's good. Beyond I'm going to correct it. Chalowski will not have a role. You don't think he'll have a role at all? No. I, I don't see that. He's not shown any, okay. any anything. And that, if he doesn't, then that's, that's another big loss. Um well, Nice to think of Johansson. There's a little something there. Albert Johansson, we'll see um, if that's – but goaltending, they have none. And and Pedrusli's okay, but he's probably, if at anything, a backup in the league. So they don't even have a number one guy. 
Like they don't have anybody right now that I could see in that organization that you could look at and say, he'll be the starter in a couple of years for the next 10. So I think those are the big areas of that they need to improve. Sorry, Kevin. Well, I, I think though there's a chance um, because if you look at this year's free agent marketplace, there's a couple of things that are important to the Red Wings. Number one, um, the pandemic has turned everything upside down and it's a possibility that the uh, Red Wings would seem attractive, more, far more attractive than they normally would be. Right. Just simply because they have cap space. Right. Uh, they're, so, they're, they're like Buffalo in that respect. Buffalo has 49, right now, $49 million. So that if the cap stays the same, that's over $30 million in cap space. Uh, the Red Wings have 46 million. So that's 35 million. But the problem we talked about with Buffalo is convincing players to sign their long term when that organization has been a train wreck for eight, nine years. That is not the case with Iserman because he he breeds confidence because he's a winner and he, he's done it in Tampa. Before. Well, I, I think there's a problem for all rebuilding teams, unless you're the Maple Leafs, the Rangers, or uh, maybe the Montreal Canadiens. Um, you know, the, you know, the Rangers in the midst of a rebuild got Panarin to show up. Um, yeah. But but I think the pandemic has really, really has altered the marketplace. Yeah. Sure. I, at least the Red Wings have some center depth, and that's something where even good organizations have a hard time with. You know, right. you, you could look at the Rangers, and their center depth for a playoff team is not great. Right. And, and so you could at least look at that's something where the Red Wings, that's a positive for the Red Wings right now. Yeah, yeah. So I, I what I started to say is, is that I think that's a possibility – and the other element is, is that there are more goalies available in the marketplace than there are teams looking for them. You know, some of the teams, um, you know, everybody says, well, Calgary has to get a goalie. Well, no, they don't. Um, you know, they, they could stick with who they have. They like these guys. They can move on. So, you know, it's a possibility that a goalie like Robin Leonard um, could be had if Eisenman wanted to do that. And, you know, the argument for doing that is, you know, in addition to everything else, this young Red Wings team needs a little confidence, and a, a quality goalie could help in that regard, um, even if he's not quite in the age grouping. The other thing they could do is they could uh, call Pittsburgh and uh, acquire one of their goalies if they're really sincere about doing that. I'm a little skeptical of Jim Rutherford because yeah. he's more like a fox. Um so if they were really willing to move one of those goalies, now a 25 or a 26 year old goalie would sort of fit into their rebuild. Well, I, I don't, I don't think you're going to get a goaltender to come come to Detroit of their own volition, like a Braden Holtby, because you know he's in this early in his late 20s or early 30s. He probably, even though he's won a cup, he probably still wants a chance to win. And we know that Detroit's going to take. All right, all right, well, let me stop you there. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm trying to make my point here. Okay. A list of, give me a list of your teams that want a goalie, Mike. Calgary is one. And you think they really do want to go? I do too. I do too. Yeah. Cal Cal Calgary, San Jose. Uh, I think Edmonton should be, but they probably won't be. Right. Um, Russ, what do you think? Chicago. Chicago. Chicago is another one. Yes. Yeah. I think there's four or five teams. Yeah. I think that's right. I think there's three. Okay. How how many goalies are available? There's a lot. I mean, there's a Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If if Calgary took uh, Robin Leonard, um, and if uh, uh, San Jose, um, who would they go after? Markstrom. Markstrom. If I don't think could, he'll be available, but okay. Yeah, let's just say let's just say Markstrom. 
Okay. Goes, um, they go Markstrom. And then, you know, um, uh, who, you're going to give Hopi to Calgary? Yeah. Hopi, that's a big okay. one. So, yeah, that, that would be good. You know, there are still goalies out there that I think the Red Wings might be able to land. You know, would they take a Mark Crawford for three million bucks? Um, yeah. Or you know something like that. I I I think there will be goalies available that that, that you know on a short term basis could give them a little bit of uh, you know goaltending credibility. So I mean, could they get a good? Could Eisenman get a guy like Holtby to come there? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, it'd be just because uh, you know Holtby's going to want to go to a place where he's going to win. But somebody when the music stops, some goalie's going to be without a chair. Well, here here's the here's the, the I'd say I'll give you the top. Seven unrestricted free agents. Cam Talbot, you know. Yeah. Holby, Crawford, Leonard, Craig Anderson, who probably will retire, but never. Too old, yeah. Jim, Jimmy Howard, been there, done that. Uh, Markstrom, Thomas Grice. There you go. There's your solution, Eck. Thomas Grice. Uh, Cam Talbot and. Cam Talbot, Cam Talbot could, you know. Yeah. You could manage it for a couple of years, but that's all you're talking about. Right? Yeah, that, that's all they need. You know, okay. they're talking about a gap goalie that'll, that'll get you through. Right. Two or three years. Guys, Mike Smith's UFA. So uh, yes, he is. But he I, you know, but I don't know whether you know. That's just my speculation. Yeah. Eisen may be fine with Bernier. Bernier played well second half of the yeah. season. I, I think he'll go with Bernier. You know what I think Eisenman should do when when Seattle is getting ready to do the expansion draft. That might be a team to deal with to get a goalie because if they if there's a bunch of goalies offered, you could get them to take an extra goalie and work a trade. Well, Kevin, yeah, we, I like that. we talked about this earlier in the week. What do you think the chances are if Detroit doesn't get the first pick or pick, say, third or fourth, that they go for the Russian goaltender? Uh, I, I, I think that Eisman loves him, yeah. um, but I think it's just too high. I just don't think he'll go that high. Yeah, Even not fourth, trade fourth, I might do it, Kev. I don't think he will. I think he'll take one of the – I mean, I mean, we're just guessing, but yeah. um, I just can't see him taking the goalie that high. What was um, Eiserman? I'm trying to remember how how much Eiserman. You know, always look at different GMs put different levels of importance on goaltending. You know, um, to trade in the past, you know, has gone with Osgood and has who was I would I think is way underrated. But a lot of people say he's not. You know, wasn't good enough for that team that was trying to win Stanley Cups. Um, I thought he was, and you know, well, clearly he was. Clearly he was. But he, but you know, he wasn't considered a superstar goalie. They didn't go and get a superstar goalie. Well, the uh, one thing, the one thing I was surprised about with Eisner in, in his first year when he came in, he signed a veteran guy like Philpola to I think it was a two-year contract. And right. you know, Philpola is thirty-six years old. He's he's past his prime. He's still an effective player because he played well with the Islanders the previous year. But it didn't make sense with the fact that they were in a year of transition and likely trying to finish in 31st place and you go in and sign a 36 year old guy to an extra year. Uh, whereas if you sign him to a one year deal, you could have moved him at the deadline. I mean, do you think that it's going to be like that act or, or Kev where they're, they're going to hold plug a couple, you know, add two or three veterans and just, you know, bring along that the young kids with those veterans over the next couple of years. Well, I, I, I think they're going to have to create roster spots for those younger players. Like if you're going to find, Roster spots for Valeno. If you're uh, going to bring up Rasmussen this year, Zadina um, uh, was Zadina was kind of on the team at the end of that year. Right. Uh, you know, Stretchnikov. Um, you know, but that requires roster spots, so they really don't have any room to, you know, to add those players. Um, you know, I know, I know they want to get uh, Fabre re-signed. That was the one deal that made a lot of sense for Isaac. Oh yeah. He's yep. still in the. Uh, 
um, you know, the age range of the of the of the players that you know are going to lead this team. So uh, the biggest thing for them is that you know Mantha's got to stay healthy. He hasn't been able to do that. Right. Um, more consistency out of uh, out of Lark, and I mean, he's still a terrific player. But you know, there were just times when he just wasn't the factor that he that he can be. Their, their most consistent player in my mind was forward was uh, Bertuzzi. And they yeah, just yeah. continued growth out of Heronic, who uh, really stepped up uh, last season. I think by the end of the season, uh, Cider, Moritz Cider, will be uh, uh, their their number one defenseman, and Heronic will be number two. Um, and who knows? I mean, Drysdale, uh, you know, if they end up uh, yeah. at fourth, could end up, uh, you know, being on this team as well. I, I think they were really impressed by uh, Lynn, uh, Lindstrom. Who they brought up, Gustav Lindstrom, who they brought up late the season, and he um, was 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 effective. He was, uh, you know, he didn't look out of place. It's got to be the hardest name to remember from a Detroit if you're talking about the Red Wings with a goal. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So I think you know we see him as a guy that's definitely going to play in the league, and they they like a, a player that doesn't get a lot of attention, McIsaac. Yeah, well, yeah. John McIsaac was he he could be a big time player, but. He um he's just going to take a little while. He's got good yeah. physical tools, though. He does have great physical tools. The other guy that I would keep an eye on, because I think Eisenman likes him a lot, and you got to really read the tea leaves with Eisenman because he never says anything. He doesn't um, really talk all that much uh, to the media. But if you just sort of listen, uh, put your ear to the ground and listen around the league, he loves Giovanni Smith. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to bring him up. Yeah, Giovanni yeah. Smith is a tough Tough yeah. guy. He is. He's got a, just enough skill uh, to be a really, really good NHL, um, you know, third liner. You know, he's, like he's really. crap disturber around the net. He's good with that, and he has yeah. good hands. Well, that's that, and that's the point. He he can play. Um, right. In addition to being a real physical beast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you, what about the um the. You know, what, what do you think the character or the style of this team is going to be, Kevin? What do you think they're going for with Blashville? Are they going for, like, the Vegas Knights play really fast type thing? Yeah, or, yeah, they want to play with speed for sure. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, they want to have more bite on their defense. That's right. for sure. But, um, I, but, 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 Kevin, am I wrong? Because, I mean, again, when it was announced last week that Botterill was coming back with Buffalo – that Blashell was coming back with Detroit. I think we mentioned this last week. It was almost like, okay, they've not done bad jobs. They've done okay jobs, but it's not fair if we let them go in favor of a new coach or a new general manager that they're in the position that those teams are in. It's better to keep them an extra year, let them soak up another bad year, and then probably let them go rather than bring in a, bring in a Gerard Gallant and then him taking the heat for them being 31st overall. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's. I mean, there's something to be said for that. I I just don't know whether Gerard Gallant is, is even right. relationship with Eisenman would have come to Detroit. Right. Um, but um, I I also think uh, Eisenman did think Blashill did a good job. He he yeah. said publicly, in one of the few times he talked about it, he said, you know, I go to all the practices, I watch what's going on here, I watch what he's doing with the players, and I think he did an incredible job. And he also knows that. He never really worked real hard to move that team out of uh, he being Eisenman that moved that team out of 31st place. Like, you know, yeah. he could have played around with the defense and patched it. He could have made it more credible than it was, but right. he wanted to give playing time and it actually paid off to guys like Heronic and he gave Chalowski a, a, a look too, although he didn't, he didn't run with it. Um, and um, you know, they brought uh, 
Lindstrom up and got gave him an opportunity. They you know tried some guys that they normally wouldn't have. Uh, they would have probably gone on and got someone else. So he knows that he sort of made created this kind of uh, messy defense that Blashill had to live with. Yeah, obviously, you're looking at a team that you know was epically bad, like finished with an epic wreck. With epic, you know, when you're over minus 100 in gold differential, that's just incredible. Yeah, hideous. It's hideous. <laughs> I mean, it's just it seems almost impossible, right? Um, yeah. When they were playing, when when you when you saw them playing at their best, what were they playing like? Like what when when they were actually working well? And I know it was probably all that often, but when you did see it happen, what could you see in them? Well, when they were playing well, it was because Larkin, Bertuzzi, and Mantha were flying. Okay. Um, like when that line, that that line does have the potential to be one of the better lines in the league because right. it has all the elements. Um, right. You know, it's got the big score from Mantha. I mean, Mantha can score oh, yeah, you know, outside. Yeah, um, he's got a great wrist shot. He really. Yeah, does. he can just uh, he can just a sizzling wrist shot. Larkin can make so many things happen with his speed. He you know he gets a lot of breakaways. Uh, and Bertuzzi is just a gritty son of a gun. Yeah. Uh, and he's got more skill than anyone thought. Um, he knows uh, how to score goals. Uh, like he's not pretty, but he knows what to do to get in position to score goals. Um, I mean, he's going to be effective. Kev, the, the big question is will the fans give Eisenman three more years that he really needs to get this team rolling the right way? Or after two, if they start to look improved? Are they going to start putting pressure on? Nah, they will. I mean, Eiserman is, you know, you got to remember, like, as great as Gordie Howe uh, was, I mean, you've really got to be my age to have seen Gordie Howe play. Right. So the vast majority of fans in Detroit know Eiserman as the right. greatest player in Red Wings history. So, and they, you know, re revere him. They love him. And, uh, you know, just as our president has said that he could shoot someone on fifth, <laughs> still have his supporters. <laughs> I, I think Steve Eiserman could trade Dylan Larkin for a bag of pucks, and the fans would say, you know, he probably knew what he was doing. It's funny <laughs> okay. a legend like this because, like, we had Bobby Clark take over as general manager. Oh. <laughs> yep. And it, it's funny. It's just funny when you, but the difference with, and, and yet, you know, and it was kind of a unique kind of comparison. This an interesting story, maybe here at some point, because Clark first started as a GM in Florida, as did Eiserman, right? Clark took his team to the Stanley Cup final right um i mean it was the florida panthers clark had some success with the florida panthers quickly quickly eiserman had success with tampa quickly went to the stanley Cup finals and now then both returned to their teams where they were legends um and yeah. yet it's, it's kind of fascinating that way but the but you know i feel as if eiserman just the, the thing that eiserman has that clark doesn't have is eiserman is not just a gm that was a great gm in tampa he was also the gm of like team canada like eiserman right. had He's a GM. He's a real GM's GM too. Like he's on top. Like Clark never was a GM's GM. Clark Clark GM like he played hockey. He just went out there and packed and slashed and made made whatever happened. happen. I was say, how many how many uh how many sticks did he break over the legs of people in the press box? I mean, he you know he's the funniest person to be around, Bobby Clark. Like literally, he, funny and not well, literally hilarious in sense humor wise, but funniest in terms of just like. But Clark never told the truth as a GM. Right, not one day, not one day in office, and I'll give you a perfect example. The last year he was there, I was I was working in um, training camp, and I was noticing the team is just remarkably slow compared to how the league was getting. Yeah. And I asked Bobby about his team speed. Are you worried about that? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. Our team speed is fine and everything else. And they were horrific that year. And 
But again, he never told the truth on trade. If, if he says there's no trade in the works, that there would be a trade the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy with the time of day. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. First time I met Bobby Clark was on an elevator, and he, he says, and I'm with, um, I was, it was, it was when Schneider, Ed Snyder was like, you know, wanted to meet me. So I'm meeting, I'm with Snyder on the elevator with Clark, actually, like everybody up taking this thing. And Snyder says, this is the guy, you know, goes by his name Eklund. Da, 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 da. And Clark is like, oh, that's really funny. I thought that was, I think that's really funny, that Eklund thing. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a funny thing that you took that name. I'm like, yeah, thanks. And it's, it's, it was nice enough. Every time I've seen him since then, over the last 15 years, if I pass him, he's still last. When he sees me, he's like, ha, 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 that's right. <laughs> That's what he does. It's just a funny. It's just he's just he's a weird guy. He's just he's just really like out there guy. But um, but Kevin, uh, I think Eisenman obviously has proven himself, right? Like you feel like, he's- yeah, and uh, he you know he took a different approach. Uh, you know, yeah. Eisenman really went and learned the craft. Um, you know, yeah. he spent a couple of years in the Detroit organization, going out and scouting players, um, doing all the things that you need to do to learn how to be a successful GM. He didn't just say, "Hey, I'm Steve Eisenman. I deserve to be a GM." And I think that served him well. Like he is, um, you know, has mastered all areas of being a GM. Like I think he understands the importance of a farm system. I think he has a great understanding of the draft process. I think he has a you know a strategy in place. I think he knows how to deal with contracts. I think he knows how to deal with personnel. Um, all that. So I think you know that really helps. Um, to finish off the show here today. I saw someone uh, reference the fact that uh, today is the 21st anniversary of the famous Brett Hall no goal uh, in game six of the Stanley Cup final for the uh, Dallas Stars and the Buffalo Sabres here in Buffalo. I was in my honeymoon on Norway. I was on my honeymoon in Norway. Try that better. On my honeymoon in Norway watching it. Kevin, were you you at that game? Oh, yeah. 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 This is this is the thing that I, I'm to to this day puzzled by because I was watching it on it was on ESPN in the states it was on Hockey yeah. Night Canada in Canada um, and uh, I was watching the the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast uh, I just because I normally did and they showed the replay of the goal before Mike Medano was skating around the ice with the cup ESPN did not until they were skating around the ice. And it's like, you know, no, today that would be unheard of, obviously, because of replay. But the thing was, they had to have known that there was a dispute with that goal long before they were ready to hand out the cup. And I was just always struck by the fact that ESPN didn't show the replay. And then as soon as they showed the replay, everybody's like, stop everything. And it was too late. <laughs> Well, it it really was, especially when you got to remember what that season was like. Because we had seen goals like that just loud all season. We were all tired of it. Yeah, like that's the thing about that. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, you know, at at a certain point, uh, it was too late to do anything about it. Because I'm a firm believer in that. I mean, we talked about that with the. Um, and in the past, once you go too far, you, you know, you're not going to replay it or change anybody's mind or all that. But, um, but honestly, that that's to me why that goal is so hideous is, is that we had seen that call made so often that's the whole rule was hideous. And then that just accentuated it. It felt like the rule was so bad that they couldn't 
they just they they like it would have just it would have just been a it would have been like a huge explanation on how bad the rule was. <laughs> no, but you yeah. know what? We all knew it was heading that way. Like nobody could have said, "Hey, we know for sure this is going to happen in the cup." But I remember everybody sort of talking about fans and otherwise. We're going to see this happen in a big game, and it's going to be a problem. Like we you, all talked about it. Act, you yeah. think that you think that Leaf fans are conspiratorial minded about the about the the, the Gilmore High Stick? It's oh, nothing yeah. in oh, comparison to Buffalo, to yeah. Buffalo fans yeah. when it comes to that goal. Lindy Ruff in a in a uh, a rally outside the city hall said no goal. Yeah. I mean, he was like openly yeah. criticized the NHL. It was the perfect. It was a it was a perfect storm. Like it was an unbelievably perfect storm happening in overtime with a team celebrating that they just won the Stanley Cup. Are you going to call it off? It's like every everything. It's just on a goal on a, on a rule that nobody liked, and well, and the city too. You know they yeah, yeah. Right. Super Bowls and right you know, right. Yeah, it's, and, and it's amazing that it wasn't you know more. I, I still see those shirts and I, the no goal shirts and I love yeah. them. So. They're still there, I know. I know. I should have stocked up on some. Show you this, ready? So this is something I made. You guys can make this at home yourself if you want to. But it's really easy. I actually saw it on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, I got to make that. So this is like my mask. So what you do is you go like this. You go like this. Goes, eh. <laughs> what does it say? I can't. No, it just turns into a smiley face when it's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. like this, and then you go when you open it up, it turns into a smiley face. Uh, pretty awesome. I already bought my masks. I'm not a maker. Yeah, I, I, I wore a pillowcase for two months. I finally three months through this whole damn thing. I got an actual mask. When it's when it's when we're not going to have masks to wear, I am not going to have a good mask. A pillowcase, Mike? Yeah, th there was a thing on the internet that said hey, if you don't have a mask, you can fold up a pillowcase and use that as an impromptu. I and I did that. It was a, it was a little tough to breathe sometimes. Okay. Okay. That's amazing. I, I'm speechless, man. Let's just go. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like this. Have you guys seen this thing? And I'll let you guys go after this, but this is the best. Um ready, here we go. Hold on. Yeah, this is this is awesome. Okay. You can't top the pillowcase, X. I don't okay. know. That's gonna be tough. <laughs> the ostrich pillow. Do you know the ostrich pillow? Are you familiar with the ostrich pillow? No. no uh, is it like my pillow? Because that makes me sick. This is the ostrich pillow. I'm gonna show it to you. This is the best here. Here we go. Um sharing right now. Sorry, my ineptness, ineptitude. Here we go. Share screen. You'll love this. The ostrich pillow is one of my favorite things ever invented. Um, it is this. So what it is, if you can see this, if we can make this out. Oh, I've seen that thing, yes. See this thing? Mm -hmm. It is this giant head. That it's like, it's ridiculous. You wear it on your head, and it's just, it's incredible. And it, it enables what you to that, actually. What is this for? Well, what it's for, technically, is, let me see if I can show you. So you can lie down. Like, let's see if this picture makes any sense. See this picture here in the corner here? Oh my God. Oh, okay, so you can lie down with your head on the thing and your hands in it like this. You know? Yeah. If I wore that thing, somebody would shoot me because I look like an alien. Oh, that's the best. It's the best. You could get um, it in gray, Mike. Oh, yeah. No, it's available <laughs> in every color. Wait, here's the commentary Kevin dropped off the show. <laughs> he did. He left. He was like, done. I am done. <laughs> Uh, you guys want Russ the chicken back? Some funky ass. No. I'm telling you. Russ the chicken. Funky, funky. Yeah. Yeah. You really should be asking me. I, I helped create the idea of Russ the chicken. Yeah, you know how Russ the chicken started was um, well, my, my son does puppetry here. My son does puppetry yeah. on YouTube. Really good stuff. And Russ, the, Russ couldn't do the predictions one day. We had a brain right. trial, I forget it was, and we it was the only day we could do it. So I'm like, well, let's have, let's, let's have Russ the chicken do the predictions. 
So um, we invented rusted chicken for that. Rusted chicken still appears on my son's. It's a part of my son's like Muppet world. There you uh, go. I still think yeah. Buzz was a better p predictor of the uh, of the of the games than than rusted chicken. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's like it, it, it's a it's the funniest thing. And I, we talk about we can, we can get we can get rusted chicken on any time, you guys. Any time. He didn't yeah, get COVID. Sure. I don't. Have you ever been on with you at the same time? <laughs> he didn't get COVID. No, he didn't. Russ, <laughs> wow. Hey, we Russ, we should share. We should share the. We should share. Sorry. We should share the uh, the pickle story with Ak. No, we should just go. Okay. I want to show you guys something real fast. Okay, so um, we're, right. we're definitely getting out of here. So this right now is um, I'm gonna pause this. I'm gonna pause this. I'm gonna put the link in the thing. My son did a video that I really like. I want you guys to check it. Pennsylvania homeowner. I saw the video. It was good. Oh, thanks, man. I got to pause this. It doesn't make crazy sounds. But I'm going to share the link with you guys in the chat room um, just for you guys because I trust you all. That we, you it know, was well done. I helped my son with this and do, 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 do these videos. I think they're really funny. And um, he's like a Muppet. He's like, he was like he's, yeah. he's, he's maybe Jim Henson. It's, it's ridiculous. That's the, I put the link in there for you guys. Check it out. Yeah, I mean, the editing was good. And the, um, oh, thanks. the yeah. liner text was really professional. Like, that was yeah, good. He does it all. He does all the editing and everything like that. Oh, wait. Yeah, Russ is here. <laughs> Hey, what's going on, Russ? <laughs> what's going on? Reveal. There was a reveal. See that. There we go. Hey, the buzz. People have been asking for you. Oh, I'm glad. I'm very flattered. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> How have you? Oh, do you have? You, you should be. Yeah, so he's got the COVID cough. Get rid of Get him out of there. Yeah, yeah, put the mask on as soon as you can. All right. <laughs> anyway, check out the video, guys. Uh, share it around with your friends. If it's My son is um amazing puppeteer and, and makes all these puppets and also does. um. It's all about animal conservation. So every every show is a different endangered animal um, that that's integrated. So, and thanks. It's a lot. Of, we have a lot of fun. I do a lot of puppets. You'll hear my voice obviously in there too. But I'm nothing compared to him. I'm just the other guy that has to be in there. He writes everything. You're welcome anytime. I know. I appreciate it. All right, folks. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey.